Um, we've been talking about the branches, um, and it's not just it's not the trees outside. We've been talking about the Word of God, and I'm going to really just share um, with what time we have left today. Um, something that's really been um, important, and it's not that anything else that we've shared haven't been, but we've got to, you know, my responsibility as exercising the pastoral gift is to make sure you grow, okay? And so I've expressed that Dorothy and I are not interested in just going through a, 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 a series and we tick a box that we've gone through a particular program and then we move on to the next. It's like... Um, yes, I know it's cutting out. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like what the school system does, as hard as it tries. They have a term time and they've got to get through the curriculum. And often there may be people who haven't got it yet, but they've got to move on. And teachers try and put something in place. They probably have a TA or uh, some additional something. Because really, it serves no purpose if the kids don't learn, no matter what you do. And that's why the ultimate result is they look at how have you done? How have, what's the stats? We have to do that with our lives in the body of Christ. And as pastors, we can't simply just say, great, we've gone through a program, let's move on to the next. We've got to be seeing and understanding that you are growing and that you find, actually, you know what, I'm stronger. I'm, I'm moving forward. I'm, I'm, I'm in a different position than I was last week or, or yesterday or a month ago. I'm moving forward. And that's why we are going to take our time so that if you ever have to leave move across the world, go anywhere else, you leave strong. You leave knowing that I can stand in God with confidence. I know who I am. And so we are ensuring that you understand how to receive. That's the most important thing. When we were saying, and um, I'm having to repeat certain things that in our discipleship class, those who are turning up are getting much more. Um, and I'm trying to sort of unpack some of that with you today, but we've been talking about John 15, and God really sort of said to me, Garth, this is a revelation of how the whole kingdom works, and we've been talking about Jesus being the vine, his father being the vine dresser, we are the branches, and our responsibility is to receive from God, okay, so can you say to the person next to you, you've got one job, you've got one job, and your one job is to stay connected. Stay connected. Right? Because involved in that one job is your ability to receive. That's it. Okay? You're a branch. If you're going to produce anything out of yourself, you need to stay connected to the vine and receive. Right? And how many of you felt you were blessed by God yesterday? Raise your hands. You were blessed by God yesterday? All right, okay, cool. Right, now, are you trying to live on yesterday's blessing? Hmm? Right? Well, well God actually says, you can't. 
you're a branch. You can't live on what you had. You've got to receive again today. And so you've got to have a pattern in your life that you stay hungry. Anybody hungry? <laughs> Anybody hungry? Anybody hungry? I mean, as he's the branches, we have to stay hungry. Any mother, any parent gets distressed if their child is no longer hungry. In other words, are not interested in feeding. They're not wanting. Sometimes we can get a bit annoyed. Oh, they're so greedy. They want more, more, more. But, but the greatest worry is if they, they don't want anything. Now you've got to be concerned. And that's the way God feels with you. When he feels, why are you not hungry? Why are you not seeking? Why are you not thirsting and hungering after my righteousness? Why are you not hungering for that? Because he knows when you don't, you become malnourished. Anything that does not feed starts to die. So every day you get up, you've got to say, God, what's on the menu today? And God has the most incredible menu. He has a recipe for every single day that's unique. He's not giving you a repeat of yesterday. He's giving you something fresh for today. And so we've been looking at now how do we manifest fruit that demonstrates that we're connected. Because that's the point. The Bible says by their fruits you know them. So we don't have to guess if you're feeding. And I mean that. We can tell if you're feeding because it manifests. Okay? And it's not a criticism. It is an important observation. You, me, have to look around. And if John or Mary, you can see, do you know what? You're looking a little malnourished. I can sense that. You know, I need to, what are you eating? What are you feeding on? What's, what's going on? What's happening? That has to be a responsibility. You can't simply be the branch saying, yo, hey, look at me. I'm, I'm, I'm feasting, you know. You've got to say, hold on me. Hey, hey, you, look, 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 look. What's going on? Do you know what's available? You can have this. And we've got to encourage each other to make sure that we're not blossoming and people are malnourished and we're not it doesn't impact us that's why what we did today is important somebody's ill it's not just passing it's all of us we're the body we heal in the name of Jesus did you know that God actually says and it's the strangest thing he says we heal we know that he flows through us can you see that But we heal. We're the ones that heal. Because you see, when that grape is sitting in your fruit bowl, the vine is still where it was. You don't see the vine. But you taste of the fruit. And that's the point. So people see and taste God through you and me. Because we're receiving from Jesus. And when you walk into the room, Jesus, God walks in that room. You carry everything of heaven with you. So people are going to taste and see if he's good or not via you. So 
what he asks us to do, he says, look, and, he, and, and remember I expressed it, he says in this passage, he says, the love that my father gives me, it's what he says, I give it to you. So if he gives it to you, do you keep it? What do you think he's trying to do? Trying to spread it. So he actually says, and this is now where we're going to pick off with what we're doing. We talked about, we're talking about love. And we're talking about what love is. And when we started off talking about love is patient. And we remember what patient is. How many of you are trying to now adapt that in your life? Because I know, I know, I saw when the revelation drops, right? But, but, but you see, there's a thing where you can't just be like, oh, and then, okay, and you're off, right? And there's a whole thing around that. But, but you've got to say, I, I need that love. <laughs> you know, we want to be lovers. How many people want to be lovers? Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. Oh, some people don't want to, you don't want to be lover? Anybody, anybody want to be lovers? Okay, now, I'm, I'm encouraging, and, and why I'm encouraging you to raise your hand and make a sound. I'll tell you what God said to me this week. That there are people who grow old and never really danced, never really made a lot of noise. And basically, you've gone through your whole life and never fully used the organs you've been given. Because you underlived. You know when people say, well, I'm not really a loud person. I mean, you know, how, how do you go through your whole life and never make a ah, joyful noise? How do you go through your whole life and never dance and, and shit, you know, because, and then you waste all of that? What are you waiting for? How about you live life full? How about you express yourself? Because the space belongs to you equally like it does to me. How about you let the earth know you are here? So that's why God says, make a joyful noise. And everything that hath breath, it says, clap your hands, make a noise. And then he doesn't say, he says, shout unto God. Because now you are expressing, you are voicing, I'm here. I'm graced with life. I'm full of God's energy. But you can't come in. That's why the first thing they listen for with the baby is a cry. Nobody just says, shh. No, no, no. And then your baby is really, oh God, they're really quiet. And we start making noise. You're like, keep the noise down. And I always say, you know what? That's what destroys a lot of people's talents. Do you know that? Is that you were born to sing, you were born to be, and people are like, you know, and then just, oh, stop, the, stop, stop the noise. And I realize actually, my mother will say it oh, when they all leave home, oh, it's so quiet, I miss the sounds, I miss the noise, everything is silent. Because God created you to make noise. He created you to make a sound. A sound that declared that you are alive. That his breath is flowing in you. And when you do that, it helps you. And it's part of what we're going to talk about today. Love yourself. You know why? Because when you shrink, you basically are allowing other people to be loud and you basically are quiet. They're taking all the air. They're using all the energy. And there you are in this corner. Alive but not really imposing yourself on the world. 
So that's why you see when people have victories or, or, or jubilations or some people actually, even when they're mourning, you cry, you cry, you, you're saying, look, I'm here, I'm expressing, I'm living, I'm breathing. That's what that song is about. And so then God goes on to say here that when we engage in receiving his love, we're supposed to then share that. And this is how he says it. And he talks about a commandment and we established here. That when the disciples asked for the greatest commandment, and what we're doing here, this part of what we're talking about is actually talking about what love is. Somebody say, what love is. And you know in 1 Corinthians 13, he says love is patient, love is kind, and goes through all the different things. But then he says, well, he says what love is, then he says what love does, what love doesn't do. So we're looking at what love is. Love is patient. I'll read two versions of that. He says, love is patient, meaning love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for itself. So that's part. Love is patient. Love is kind. Okay? And then it says it like this again. Um, it, that, that when we are patient and kind, we are expressing a key foundational aspect of God's love. But he tells us here, this is the rub, and we've been... I'm packing this in discipleship class. The disciples asked Jesus and they said, teacher, what is the most greatest commandment? You've heard me sort of read this passage. And he says, look, this is the first and greatest commandment, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. All your heart, mind, body, soul. In other words, with everything. So that's why I'm trying to say to you, it's not good enough. Just say, I love you, Jesus. He says, love me with all of you. Love me with your sound. Love me with your soul, your emotions. Love me with, with everything that you have. Love me. Then, he says, and this is, that's the first greatest commandment. He says, and the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. Somebody say that. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And again, I must love my neighbor as I love myself. Now turn to your neighbor saying, I must love you as I love myself. Right. And so what we want to do, how do we love ourselves? Okay. Because however we love ourselves is how we've got to love our neighbors. Right. Now, if you don't love yourself, the love you're giving to your neighbor is a performance. It's an act. Because actually, it's, it's not coming from you. You are performing something. Because everything about God is about giving out of yourself. It comes from you. So that's why... I can be really nice to you, Martin. You think, oh, God's amazing. Oh, wow. Ask my wife. Now, is she getting that same kind of appreciation? Because, see, I can treat you nice, and you think I'm amazing. But at home, she's like, I wish, I wish this man would just care for me more. Because what I'm giving to you is an act. It's not coming from me out of me it's a performance then that's why it's an act like actors do you learn the role you perform the action and people think oh you get a people get a grammy for that 
You know? But they're acting. But God doesn't reward you for an act. He rewards you for what is true. So if we are going to love, this is what God says, and this is what I love. God loves us with perfect love. Somebody say perfect. And this is what he says about perfect love. Perfect love, this is John, 1 John 4 verse 18, says there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. Somebody say perfect love. Now, can I just go really way back just to help you understand about God, right? Everything about God is perfect, right? So when we go into Genesis, the Bible says that God creates and he describes everything as good. Somebody say good. Now, when God talks about good, he talks about perfection. He only knows good to be perfect, right? And remember that. Now, his definition of good, remember he says it about five times in Genesis. He created the, the, the farming and the vegetation, and God said, it's good. And God said, it's good. And God said, it's good. And then when he created man, he says, and it's very good. And what he's talking about is that it is one. It's all complete. It's fully functioning. So, you know, when you've set the table and everything is in place, so you've got this banquet and you've got like your, your, your three or four, four different forks and everything there is necessary. You look at the table, right? It looks good, but you notice something's missing. So actually, it's not good because God said there's a part missing. So when God says good, he means all the parts are there and it's fully functioning. Now we've flipped the idea of that to mean something else. And this is where sin comes in. Now Adam and Eve, before they were led astray by desire, only knew good. Only knew good. They only knew things were complete and fully functioning. There was no measure because in God, good has no measure. Right? It's either fully functioning or it's not. Okay? So what happens is when God now tests Adam and Eve, because people say, well, who put the tree in the garden? God did. Who allowed the servant to come in the garden? God did. Because see, what you don't understand is God always tests what you carry. Because everybody can be brilliant, really well behaved, kids, until mom and dad leave you in the house alone. Now, you can get up to your own devices. Do they come back and you haven't done something you haven't or wasn't supposed to do? So when God tests Adam and Eve, their desire made them eat the fruit that was forbidden. Listen to what the Bible says. Their eyes were opened and now they understood good and evil. Remember before, evil existed. And people don't understand that. The potential was always there. But they now no longer 
understood just good. They understand good and evil. What that now means is there's polarization. Now there's a variation, a scale as to what's really good and how evil is evil. So the tree of good and evil is all about measurement. Because you see, my good, Ernest, could be your evil. You're thinking, nah, that's not good enough. Because what? How, how good is good? Where, where, where do you stop? Where do you start? How evil is evil? But God only knows good. Because good is just everything is exactly how it should be. So our challenge is that when God says to me to love my neighbor as I love myself, I can't rely on my love. Because there's now a sliding scale to my love. I will love Israel better than how I love Agatha. But God's talking about perfect love, cast out fear. How perfect is love if actually I'm giving more love to you? Now there's a sliding scale. So what God is saying, anything we, 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 we want to give, we have to get it from him. Now what happened was, it's a slightly complex story, but I'm going to try and, 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 and minimize it. God led the children of Israel out of captivity in Egypt. He's now got them in the wilderness, and God is now wanting to talk to the children of Israel. Because remember, he's always talking to Moses, right? So the children of Israel are thinking, we want to hear God ourselves. And this is around um, Exodus, uh, I think it's 19 and 20. And they're saying, he's always talking to you. We want to hear from God as well. So Moses, God says, okay, bring them all up to the bottom of the mountain. And this is what they said, because they actually say to Moses, whatever God tells us to do, we will do. People are assuming that they were saying, whatever you say, Moses. No, they were saying, whatever he tells me personally. Now, we want to hear from God ourselves. Whatever he tells us, we are going to do. So God says, Moses, invite them up, but put this barrier around the mountain, okay, and tell them they can't touch it. So now they're all coming up to hear God. Now, this is the thing about God. And why God is a spirit. And when you look in the Bible, it actually says, even in Genesis, God has, he appears in darkness. And people think, well, how's that? God is light. But often he will clothe himself in darkness, meaning he has no form. So that's why God hasn't appeared to say, I look like this. Because any time you put a form to him, he's no longer God. He's limited. So God is a spirit. And you can't put any form to him. So that's why he had to be give up of himself and put himself into form to come and deliver us through his son, Jesus Christ. So what happens is God appears with this non-form, but he says, but they hear his voice. So that's why you don't see God, you hear his voice. And that's why it's important to learn to hear his voice because God will come in any shape or form that is necessary for what he wishes to take place. But he cannot. And that's why when they made idols, and that's why God says, have no other image or idol. Because I am perfect, I have no form. 
I cannot be boxed. I cannot be limited. I'm a spirit. And that's why when Adam and Eve sinned, their spirit died. And they now were thrust into limitation. They could not flow and receive everything from God because now there's a limit. There's a measure. So anyway, the people are saying, we want to hear from God. They get around the mountain and God starts to speak. It's thunderous voice and there's fire and there's flames and everything. And of course, you're seeing all the stuff that we witness in the beginning of creation. You see that God is a consuming fire. He's ultimate light. He's always. Now, if he's light, all waves exist in him. I mean, God is just like everything. And you know what they do? It's like, it's all right, Moses. We'll listen to you. So God then says, okay. You're now boasting everything, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you. So, so he, he gives them, Lord, you don't want to come and fellowship with me because of fear. So he says, okay, I'm going to give you instructions now. So that's why the commandments came in. God put laws to make them realize that they cannot do everything he asked them to do. They need to have relationship because relationship, it means actually you receive from me. If you want me to tell you what to do, now I've got to put parameters around that because how do I give you everything you need when I'm used to giving you through relationship? Now I've got to spread it out. So that's why when they gave the Ten Commandments, if you look at the Jewish community, they have, they're almost up to a thousand. Because you can't communicate everything. God does it through relationship. And so ultimately now, they're trying to now live by these rules and commandments. Now there is a measure. So this is why you and me, the Bible says in John 15, can do nothing of yourself. God doesn't want you to love. He wants you to let his love flow through you. Because that's perfect love. So the problem you will always have is that there is a limit to your own love. Hello? I know that. Because you know when you're well, I've had enough. It's a bad day. You know? And oh, it's, oh so what's wrong with you? I mean, oh, there is something wrong. Well, and then you get all the stuff. I mean, on any given day. But what God says, he says, look, that's why you've got to rely on me. Because today, Israel, I'm going to love you and until you hurt me. But you know what Jesus did? Now, remember what we're talking about with perfect love? Let me just wind up around this point. That you, patient means, we said, that you are to suffer long enough till the person comes good, but also, this is the next bit, you got to suffer long enough until they feel your love. <laughs> yes, Martina. You've got to go long enough and be patient long enough until they feel your love. Not me just saying, oh, I love you. No, no. they got to feel your love. Because you see, that's what God did. He put himself in suffering and he waited and he waits and he's patient until you feel his love. And you see, I love this song. 
It was written by Bob Dylan. Okay? And I've, we'll, we'll continue with this, um, even though I decide we should continue. But look, listen to these. I think these looks are inspired. This, this is perfect love. Bob Dylan sings, and, and, and you'll recognize the, the, the person. He goes, I go hungry. I go black and blue. I go crawling down the avenue. No, there's nothing that I wouldn't do to make you feel my love. Recognize those lyrics? Yeah, who sang it recently? Who's the most recent, who's, who's the most recent singer of that? Adele, right? Read it again. I'd go hungry. I'd go black and blue. I'd go crawling down. I mean, there's humility here. There's a sense of, you know what? You know what? Whatever pain it costs me. She says, I'll go through it. She says, I'll go crawling down the avenue. That's a level of humility. Whatever it takes. No, there's nothing that I wouldn't do to make you feel my love. I could make you happy. I can make your dreams come true. Nothing that I wouldn't do, go to the ends of the earth for you to make you feel my love. Have you recognized that somewhere else before? That Jesus Christ did everything possible to make you feel his love. And he calls on to us to saying that we've got to love the way he loves and we can't do it so we have to rely on him. Now, can you imagine if we all were loving like that? Can you imagine the power? Because you see, perfect love casts out fear. You know why? Because there's no judgment. There's no measure. Remember now, when Adam fell, good and evil means that there is a law that now is established. And the law involves a measure. There's a limit. There's only so close you can get to the fire before you get burnt. There's a reason why there is a speed limit. We know that. And you're driving down the road, but you're not free really, because you've got to stay within a limit. Unless you're in Germany and you've got one of those lanes where you can just take off. I mean, that, that's a kingdom lane, that one is. Right? Because you see, God, there's no measure. <laughs> My wife giving me big tea. Okay. <laughs> big tea. Right? Now, now I'm saying this because in this church, we're going after this kind of love. We're going after God's kind of love. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you giving and surrendering to God. That allows you to say, God, I want to love the way you love. Because that is the foundation on which all the fruits of the Spirit are built. Love is patient and kind, but it's got to be God's measure. Now, we can approach this two ways. Two ways. You can get depressed and say, wow. You can go, whoa, that's a lot. Or you can get excited and say, yeah, how do I do that? Because that's then the question you ask. How 
do I get that kind of love? You know, when you walk into that shop and you're looking around, you think, I want that one. There's all kinds of love. But I guarantee you, this is the only kind of love that will never let you down. Because what it does, it loves you until you feel Amen? Stand to your feet right now. How many people are saying, God, I want that kind of love? Yeah, say, just say, Lord, just shout out to God right now. Say, Lord, I want that kind of love. I need that kind of love. Okay? And as we begin on this journey, watch and see what God's going to do. That you'll find the blessings start to flow when you begin to love like him. When we begin to see and understand. And what starts to happen is your lens changes. Because you stop seeing my faults. You start to see, ah, I see the good. Now, now because remember, it's, it's reciprocal, right? But I give it out. So now you know what it looks like. And eventually we begin to walk in love and perfect love cast out all fear. In other words, you just feel free. I can be myself because I know you love me. I know you understand that. And I love you. And we continue to grow together. And I, oh no, I'm going to love you more. Now I'm going to love you more. Now I'm going to love you more. We have this thing with my daughter. She'll say goodnight to me and then put kiss, 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 love heart. And we're just trying to get as many lines as possible. No, I love you more. That's what God does. Because he says there is no limit to this love. Amen? Amen. I'm excited because I believe we are going to make marriage, relationships great again. Not just marriage, but relationships great again because we learn to love the way our Father loves. We'll go black and blue. We'll go to the end of the earth to make somebody feel our love. Hallelujah. There is no greater love than a man laying his life down for a friend. May God bless you today. There is no perfect love in Christ. God bless you.